You're listening to episode 178 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to do a race recap of the 2023 Chicago Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 178. My name is Letty. My name is Ryan. And we are your hosts for this episode. This episode is correctly labeled 178. I realized a couple of days ago that I labeled last week's episode also 178. Uh-oh. I know, but there is no going back now. It's out in the air. In the episode last week, we talked about the Olympic trials that will take place in 2024 in Orlando, and we interviewed the hosts of it. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I encourage you to listen to it. There's really great content, and it's exciting in light of all the news that we have. Can anyone go watch them? Yes, anyone that wants to can go watch them. It's in the streets of Orlando, more information in the episode and on their website. So on topic, I've heard some discussion about people that there's a petition to try to change the race time. Yeah, so right now the races are supposed to start at 12.10 for men and 12.20 p.m. for women. And they're trying to change it to 6 or 7 a.m. just because of how hot Florida really gets, even though it will be in February. I can understand why. I mean, right now, even though we do have a lot of women qualifiers, we only have two men that qualified under the Olympic world standard. So so what I learned this weekend, Ryan, and I didn't put that in last week's episode because I didn't know, is that, yes, to take part in the Olympic trial marathons, a female runner has to run sub two hours and 37 minutes, whereas a man has to run sub two hours and 18 minutes. But then it's not just the fastest three people that are going to be sent off to the Olympics. They actually have to meet the world standard. And for women, that is a two hour and 26 marathon and 50 seconds. And for men, it's two hours, eight minutes and 10 seconds. And as of now, there's only been two men that have qualified for that. And that just happened at the Chicago marathon. So we just did a full circle with this because this is a Chicago recap. <laughs> That's interesting. So the not coming from as much of a marathon background as you, I did have some questions that would make the Olympic time trials more interesting. Maybe uh, one of them was, I was wondering what the quota is. So usually there's a quota of how many people that can be sent to the Olympics. And apparently it's three, it seems like. So there's three people that could be sent to the Olympics from men and from for women, right? Each respectively, yeah. Yeah, okay. And right now we have two guys. Yeah, so two guys that qualified, they were Connor Montz and he ran a 207.47. And Clayton Young, he ran a 208 flat. Galen Rupp, which was expected, who was expected to run also um, under the 208 standard, he finished with a 208.48. And all of those races just took place last weekend in Chicago. And then for the women, you actually have uh, the standard, obviously the time's a little bit higher. And a lot of people have gotten to the standard, right? Or gotten below the standard. Yeah, so the world standard for women, again, is 226.50. And right now, when you look at the Olympic trials website, there are the declared entrants and it gives you their PRs. And right now we have 17 women that have met not just the trial standard, but also the world standard. So shout out to your 
Coach Ron Tab and friend because he's helping us clarify this or understand this a little bit better. Basically, then the Olympic Committee will choose who gets to run in the Olympics, assuming that they have a qualifying time. So at the moment, we could only send two males, but then we could send three females. And typically, they would choose the fastest three, right? Yes, they typically do. And the funny thing is also, which I just learned, that the two men that qualified, if they don't want to, they don't have to run the Olympic trials because they already have reached the world standard of sub 208.10. So if they don't want to run it, they don't have to. So yeah, I think that stuff's interesting. I think it's um it's neat to like kind of research it and kind of see how the process happens. Maybe you can follow some, maybe people will get excited and follow some of the names or be interested in actually going to the, um, you know, going to Orlando and watching the race or watching the race on TV and see who could potentially be the runners that'll end up in the Olympics, which is coming up soon. Yeah, absolutely. So today our goal was to do a race recap of Chicago because you went there and raced it. But is there anything else that was cool that happened in Chicago? Wink, wink. Yes, there was. We have a new world record in the marathon distance. So Elliot Kipchoge, the king has fallen. Not really. He's still awesome. I still love him. But we now have a 23-year-old world champion who is Kelvin Kiptum of Kenya. He ran at the Chicago Marathon, which had perfect weather conditions, and we'll get into that. He ran a 2 hours and 35-second marathon. So Chicago must be a pretty fast course if people are getting records there. Yes, Chicago and Berlin, always. Those are the record courses? Yes, and they're super flat and awesome, and the weather is always almost perfect. And to get ahead of ourselves a bit, maybe it'll go in the recap, but you were actually running and you could hear that they announced a new world record? It was the most awesome thing. Just when I was getting a little fatigued, somebody came out on the course, just some spectator with a megaphone, and said, we have a new world record, guys. Oh, I didn't even know it was just some random person with a megaphone, huh? It was some random guy, and it felt like the entire field of athletes that surrounded me, all of us were kind of baffled by it because he said it loud enough to hear it through the music, and I feel like we all picked up the pace just a little bit. <laughs> so the next race you're at, I could just hide in the crowd with a megaphone and say, we got a new world record, and you'll run faster. I don't think records will be set at New York for marathon distance. So you want to get into the race recap? Let's do it. All right. We'll try to keep it brief. Is that a hint? Yes. Okay. A hint to you. <laughs> so we'll go through the typical fashion. We'll do the whole trip. Yes. Sounds good. So tell us about day one. So day one was Friday. I got there late Thursday night. I flew out Thursday night, got there late, stayed at my friend's house who lives about two miles from the race start. Friday morning, I went to the expo because I was helping out at the Fleet Feet tent, which was a lot of fun, but man, were they busy. They had a lot of great swag, and I didn't buy any of it because I, by the time I was done, well, I was just kind of over it. It was super busy. Wait, you were over an expo? You, like, love the expos. I do love expos, but I I don't know about working them. I mean, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Interesting. Go on. All right. So then after I was done, I still had to pick up my own stuff. So I had to get back in line to get my own stuff, which was the bib and the finisher shirt, which was mint green. It almost looked like the same way the one from Berlin looked, except for one of them was Adidas and this one was Nike. It's kind of funny. 
they kind of clash when you hold them next to each other. My friend Colin pointed that out. They were just off. Yeah. The colors were just off. Just a little bit off so you could never wear that stuff together. <laughs> so anyway, so then um, while I was doing that, I managed to meet up with, I think, 10 people, which was awesome because it's great to meet up with friends at the expo because everybody eventually has to go there. So big shout outs to my friend Colin, Min, James, Michael, Patty, and Dave from Stockholm. I also saw a few listeners. I met Julie, Sandy, and Jane. And then I met Morgan, who's also part of the Speedstrider Facebook group. And she says she listens to the podcast, whom I talked to for quite a bit. So shout out to Morgan. Thank you for listening. She told me that she and her kids listen in the car. So shout out to the kids as well. <laughs> now, if you know their names, that's really important. I know. I wish I knew the kids' names. So... I'm usually watching the kids while you're doing marathons, but I do always enjoy the stories where you talk about meeting listeners that are excited or that enjoy the podcast. So that's really awesome. It makes me feel good that at least some people like it. Yeah, it makes you really feel good about sitting down and putting the time into this and someone's actually listening. So that's really cool. <laughs> so next. So after that, I went to back to my friend's house where I was staying and hung out there for a little while and then got ready to go to a Kenyan dinner. Ooh, a Kenyan dinner? What's that? So the people of Kenya come and host this event for the runners. And that was pretty amazing. And the food smelled really good, even though I was a little bit scared to try something new because they say before the marathon start eating like a toddler and I was taking that to heart. I didn't want to take anything that was too exotic into my body. So I didn't really eat that much, but it was absolutely cool. They had Wesley Courier show up, who is a Boston Marathon champion, LA Marathon winner. He's a 2016 Olympian, past Chicago Marathon runner and all that stuff. So he's pretty well known in the running world. And he was there talking to everyone in the audience, including to the athletes, encouraging them and also talking to them about staying clean while running. So that was a really cool few minutes of speech that he held there. So that's interesting because we'll have a teaser for next ep or is it next episode? Yes, we do have a teaser for next episode on that note because we know everyone in the running community is talking about doping right now and what is going on and why are people so fast? So next week in episode 179, we have someone from the US Anti-Doping Agency on speaking to us about doping and marathon running, what it means and all that stuff. So yeah, good good plug Ryan. This is our quick teaser. So today's episode is 178B. But yes, we do know how to count, but you messed up last week. Um, anyway, so that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to hear what you talked about during the dinners and stuff. Well, there is a language barrier, yeah. but there were some really cool people at my table that I talked to. And some of them had their workouts or I guess easy runs on their phones, which I asked to see. And I was just, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I have no shame with that. And success? You find some? You hear, see some? I mean, I saw some crazy runs where I was basically questioning in my head, is this kilometers? It was just so confused to see, you know, anything over 10 miles or really anything that is more than a 200 meter run with a four, with the number four as the minutes. Like time, mile time per mile. Wise, time yeah, per minutes. mile. Yeah. That was just kind of confusing because then I was like, oh, he's running 12 kilometers runs. or 12 miles at a four and something mild pace is really confusing. Yeah, that's going to be hard because it's like, um, it's magnitudes off from <laughs> where, where a lot of people are at. 
myself included. You know, so it's like, it's hard to understand. Like, their numbers mean something completely different to them. And they probably understand between themselves those numbers because they're relatively, you know, on a similar page. But compared to a mere mortal runner, they're like just way, way different. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was fun. That was really one of, um, the memorable experiences of Chicago. Yes, absolutely. Any um, so no, no shocking conversation pieces or secret information or anything else. I mean, I didn't stay all the way till the end because I was tired and I wanted to go to bed. You got invited to the Kenyan dinner. And you didn't even stay to the end. I didn't. I should have. Oh my gosh! Okay, so you went to bed. That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so day two. Yeah, so day two, I went and did the shakeout run with the Latina Run Club and Nadia Ruiz, whom I have hosted on this podcast as an, as a guest before. Um, I went to that shakeout run because it was 0.2 miles from where I was staying. Oh, I thought you just ran 0.2 miles. No, no. I mean, we ran two miles, but I mean, I guess <laughs> it's the day before the marathon. I don't really care what I'm running. I'm just moving a little bit. Which was uh, fun. It was fun to talk to everyone there. They were super welcoming. And then after that, I moved to a hotel. So you're at your friend's house, but you moved to a hotel. I mean, it's good to focus and to have some peace and quiet. Make sure you get a good rest before yeah, exactly. the marathon. Mm -hmm. Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag the go-to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated, Run Swag's got you covered. Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Run Swag, there's something for every runner. Um, did you do anything else that day? Well, that day I hung out with friends from Florida. We took it easy... And just try to shoe shop. Shoe shop? Yeah, shoe shopping because my friend Sam was injured and she was trying to do anything she could as she was part of the Wanda Age Group Championship, which took place in Chicago. What is that? So once you hit 40, there is Abbott, who is the organizer of these six marathons, as you know, and they take the fastest of each age group and invite them to the world championship. She's really fast. She's in the age group of 45 to 49, and she was injured. And because she was injured and she's a runner, she was trying to do whatever she could to be faster, even though she was injured. So for that reason, we were trying to shop for Alpha Flies and successfully located some last minute, but she didn't end up wearing them. So what else, uh, so what else did you do that day? Well, so then we ended up going to the pasta dinner, which there's another funny story. The Hilton Hotel had the pasta dinner for anyone that wanted to go you just pay 26 bucks and you have access to unlimited pasta and you know the whole buffet thing we went we had about 10 people and one of our runners one of our best friends is wes wes is a haitian guy and while we're at the hilton which is the hotel that hosts all the elite athletes everyone at the <laughs> other tables kept looking over to him because they thought he was an elite athlete too to the point that the waiter walked over to us and said to wes excuse me sir would you mind taking pictures with these people from the <laughs> other table we all turned around looked over and there's just tons of people waving at him <laughs> so then wes 
Instead of saying, you know what? I'm probably being mistaken for someone else. He said, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and he gets up and he gets in with those groups and there's just lines of people taking pictures with him. <laughs> and he just smiles and takes pictures with them. I it hope was, he enjoyed that. It he, was so much fun. Yeah. I hope he got I hope he got a kick out of it or he enjoyed it. Wes is awesome. Yeah, we all did. I just didn't believe that he actually went for it. I thought, you know, knowing him for this many years, I still would have thought he would have said, guys, I'm not an elite runner. I probably would say that just because I'm too embarrassed to do it. But I, it's, it's cool that he did. He just smiled and nodded. And <laughs> even when we were walking out of the hotel, there were just so many handshakes. Everyone's like, hey, good job. <laughs> or hey, good luck on Sunday. It was it was hilarious. Oh. Okay, that is that is funny. I remember you. I remember you telling me that he actually sent me a video of, of him like taking a picture with everyone. So that's, that's really funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. So that was the end of our night, though. We headed back to the hotel to get some sleep because in the morning we were planning on waking up at four forty-five to walk over to Millennium Park to start racing. So race day, you got tickets to the VIP lounge. Yes, we were in one of the VIP tents, which was great. Thank you, Tasha, for hooking that up. And that meant that we had a, di a different, a separate bag check, and we were able to stand in a tent before heading to the corrals, which made it a little bit nicer because it was a little bit chilly for someone coming from Florida. Is everyone else just sitting outside in the park? Yeah, I mean, standing, right? Or just standing outside in the park. Yeah. And we were a little bit shielded from the wind and it was, uh, it was good, but we arrived a little bit late and the lounges are close to the finish line, which is at the opposite side of the waves. I was in wave B, so I had to walk quite a way up there. We didn't spend a lot of time there, basically. So by VIP tent, they just mean a tent. It's a tent, but it, it's it comes in handy at the end of the race. Oh, okay. Because then you can just walk literally across the finish line and get into the tent. But All to start the there. race, it's kind of counterintuitive because, you know. All right. No, it's okay. You I basically drop off your bag and go. I forgot to grab breakfast because while we were leaving the hotel, I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat something in the tent. But then there was so much to walk from the tent that I realized, oh, wow, I didn't uh, I didn't eat anything. Which keeps happening to me on race day. I don't know. I usually don't forget to eat, but I got to work on that. So you want to go through the beginning of the race? Sure. Start. All right. No, the race start. Oh, yeah. Talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so did you get into your corral? Yes, I made it there just in time. I met with my friend Colin, whom I've talked to you about before. He's done Berlin. He's done Boston. He's done Paris at the same time as me. So it was good to see a familiar face and we were planning on kind of running, starting out together like we always do and then one of us dies off and the other one continues. You want to talk about the beginning then? Yeah. So in the beginning, I was wearing layers of clothes. I tossed my clothes, crossed the starting line. It was absolutely amazing and beautiful. It didn't feel too crowded. We just had the Berlin Marathon and the complaints were that it was way too crowded. Here, we had 47,000 runners and the streets are wide enough to where it was absolutely beautiful. How many were in Berlin? Probably around the exact same amount, but... Just smaller streets. Smaller streets. It's Germany. So that was uh, a common complaint, which, you know, that does suck when you're trying to go out for a PR and you're in a crowded space. But here we didn't have that problem. Chicago is usually known for having a faulty GPS. 
You had that issue in the past. Like, how many times have you been in Chicago? This is my third time. And the time I did have a problem with that, I was wearing an Apple Watch. I haven't had that problem since then. But at the same time, I also don't rely on the watch. I just go by effort. And I don't want to manually lap it like a lot of runners do. Because then you have to do it for 26 miles. I don't want to do that. But yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. I just kind of went with the group I was surrounded with. So small tangent, but... Chicago does have a lot of tall buildings, which does make it GPS hard. I wonder also, you know, GPS has to have like line of sight. So I wonder if it's like, if the satellites just don't happen to go over Chicago directly as much as it do, does some cities and that may be the reason. But anyway, let's move on. So then we were running. I got hot pretty quickly. As you know, I heat up pretty fast. I tossed my gloves. They gave you free gloves in the VIP tent, which that was nice. Oh, I also perk. had a pair of arm warmers, which... They're just basically socks that I cut the feet off. I tossed those and there I was. I was just wearing a tank top and shorts and I felt completely comfortable. And the temperature was? The temperature was, I don't actually know. I think it was between 40s and 50s. Yeah, it was pretty low. It was absolutely perfect though for running. Once you heat up. Yeah. And and yeah, even then, you know, once you pass through some buildings, you get a little bit of a breeze and it just felt like refreshing wind. It wasn't strong headwind or anything like that. It was, it was really good. So the windy city, Chicago can be windy. And in the past, you've had a lot of wind. Yeah. But I feel like when you're running, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, unless it's really headwind, it's okay. Yeah. I remember you commenting in the past though, but I bet the light winds are helpful for the elite runners that got the record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anything memorable? I mean, is it still dark? No, it was just uh, getting light. It was beautiful. I tried to look around a lot and enjoy the scenery. And... <sighs> so the first part seems to be pretty bland because you don't really remember much. <laughs> Maybe you're either running so fast or you've done it three times now that you're like, yeah. You know, honestly, I don't remember that much of it. I don't know. I always tend to get runner's amnesia. I remember that there was a 320 pacing group and I really kind of liked being close to them. So one thing I did remember is you said you really enjoyed it and you felt confident doing it, but you were nervous beforehand. So when did you get that confidence? It was really funny, Ryan, because I meant to tell you about that. It was the weirdest thing. I was a nervous wreck just because you know how I run marathons throughout the year. And a lot of them I just run for fun. But then there's a fast course and I want to run it fast. And Chicago, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and I trained hard in the sense that I did a lot of miles, but I didn't really do a lot of speed work. So I knew I wasn't in my best shape. And that made me feel a little insecure and nervous. But then that lasted all the way up until we crossed the starting line or we were close to crossing the starting line. All of a sudden, I had this boost of confidence that I've done a lot of work and I can just enjoy this and I can do well. And I don't know what happened magically, but that lasted through the entire race. So quick observation is I remember when you did run, what was your fastest time? 318. And this time? I did a 323 flat. Yeah. So it was a little bit slower, but I remember when you did the 318, you were like completely gassed and you were like having a difficult time running it. And this time you seemed to like run it more like easier. Like it wasn't that difficult. 
So, I mean, potentially you could have gone faster maybe, or maybe the difference in training being less speed work and more miles gave you more confidence and comfort level with just doing it at, you know, a really close time. That's interesting. Yeah. And I feel like I've also researched a lot of the mental part of running because I always feel like, okay, we do all these miles. What are we doing for our minds? So I did do some exercises, which we'll go into an episode some other time, but I did feel comfortable for the first 14, 15 miles and throughout, but then it kind of turned into more of a confidence. To give you an example, normally I get gassed by a mile 14, 15, and any goal that I have kind of starts getting out of the window or fading because I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's okay to be a few minutes slower. It's all right. But this time, the 320 pacer was close to me and he was, I don't think he was running even splits or anything like that. But every time I saw him run off, normally old lady would have been like, it's okay, let him go. But I had something growing inside of me that was like, go catch him, go catch him. And I kept doing that. And it was kind of cool. I wonder how I can develop that and, you know, maybe couple that with speed work and who knows, who knows what I can do, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, like, you know, it does kind of raise the question, like I said, is could you have gone faster? Could you even gone faster than the 318 potentially? Because maybe you weren't pushing yourself as much as you could have. Not that you have to, because you're just doing it for fun anyway. But regardless, like, if you do continue to train that way, maybe you could just, you always talk about enjoying the marathon, but you could enjoy the marathon and run pretty darn fast at the same time. But yeah. So is there any other. So catching catching the Pacers, you friend beat you or lost you for a little bit, and then you caught up to him. Yeah, yeah. So my friend Colin, um, he I'm not sure exactly when he went out there, but he seemed like he was in good shape. He's a guy. He was bouncy, so I just kind of let him go. And then I think it was at mile 24, I'm just running along, and suddenly there's a voice to the left of me that says, "Hey, I know you." <laughs> And I look over and I'm like, no, because I was hoping that he would run like a sub 315 or something like that because he was so bouncy and energetic. Comes out that he was struggling with his nutrition, which, you know, to be honest with you, I was too. Like I told you, I was hungry when the race started. So I took my first Morton Jail at mile two. And I think it was one of the ones that had been sitting in the car because it wasn't gel-like anymore. It was complete liquid. And so all of a sudden my stomach was cramping and I was like, oh, great. But then, I mean, what are you going to do, right? So I just kept eating those gels anyway because it's either no fuel or some fuel. And by by the time I was at mile 15 or so, my stomach was a complete mess. But, I mean, obviously not bad enough to mess with my mind. We got the runs. Yeah, <laughs> that was the old name of our podcast for anyone that doesn't know this. We used to be We Got the Runs. And yeah, let's not go back into that anymore. You got the runs. <laughs> so it's interesting. Maybe you've been learning something from all the podcasting with regards to the mental game, but you should go back and listen to some more nutrition, like eating before the event. Sorry. So anyway... um latter half of the race the end of the near the end of the race but not the end of the race so I mean, yeah i mean it was all beautiful and roses and everything perfect weather lots of amnesia 
<laughs> lots of amnesia. I don't know. This is a thing. If, if you ask me what I thought about during the race, I really can't recall. It just was long, but it wasn't. It's like a glimpse and then it's over. You make a right turn and then you go up a hill and then after the hill, it goes downhill and you literally fly into the finish. Okay. And that's my favorite part of the race, even though it's a hill. I love that hill. I know that a lot of people struggle with the hills and all that stuff later on because they say, you know, you hit that magic wall or I guess unmagical wall at mile 22. For me, it's the opposite. Once I hit 22, I'm like, oh, only four more miles left. I've done that every single day at least and more. And so then I can do this. So I think I kind of sped up and then I crossed the finish line. I was super happy. There was no crying emotion. I was just feeling happy. And then, yeah, I had that, like I told you, I had that pink sticker on my bib. I could just literally turn left into the tent area. Somebody escorted me and it was amazing. I understand how you can say people don't seem to like the end or hills at the end, because I remember in, in Stockholm, it felt like it was going on. Like it was like, oh, four miles left, but it was going on forever. It felt, felt like, I think, I think that actually ended up being a little long though, too. That's cool that you were excited and, and happy for the finish. Yeah, no, I felt actually, I felt pretty fresh. I did have to use the bathroom, but. So you spent the rest of your afternoon in the tent? I did, yes, because they had food. They had mimosas. Good food? Good food. Like? Good mimosas. Oh, um, I don't even know. I mean, they had a lot of meat. So I ate basically mashed potatoes and chips, but they had a lot of better and more but you're vegetarian so that's why you didn't eat it but no because my stomach was upset and you're vegetarian <laughs> and that yeah <laughs> so you would have eaten the meat if you weren't if your stomach wasn't upset <laughs> i would have eaten the cold cuts by cold cuts you mean cheese <laughs> we've had this argument where typically i thought it means meat and lenny says it means cheese too but anyway, go on. What else? So, yeah. So they do have a lot of food and mimosas and drinks. And we reunited with all of our friends. We sat at the table. Shout out to our friend Sandrine, who does listen every once in a while. She had a massive PR. Then my friend Wes, he had a PR as well. We spent time with Tasha in the tent and, you know, mingled, got to know some new people. They had little massages, they had stretching, and then they had the champions come in. So, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time there. Plus, on top of that, there was a lot of people that I recognized from having interviewed them on the podcast, such as John Hughes from Track Shack, who we just had on the podcast last week. Obviously, we had pre-recorded the episode, but he was sitting at my table and it took us a second to recognize each other because we did our meeting through Zoom before. So that was kind of funny. So we talked with him and then they brought in the champions. They brought in Kiptum, they brought in Hassan, and then they brought Marcel Hoog, who was the wheelchair champion. He's the wheelchair racing champion for basically every world major. So they oh, were wow. all there. Yeah. And he's from Switzerland. So I always speak with him in German. I just met him in Boston. So that was kind of cool. It was um, a lot of cool and very inspirational people that were there and runners, of course. That's neat. So, end of the day, you finally got out of your tent with free food and massages. However, unshowered, right? And, unshowered. And we had to check out of our hotel at 12. We had left the suitcases down in the lobby. There was no opportunity to shower. <laughs> so, um, so you took Sweaty Letty to a whole new level. Basically. <laughs> 
So the last night I stayed with my friends, Martin and Isabel, who also ran the marathon. Shout out to Martin. He ran a 235, which is absolutely bizarre and crazy, but amazing. And then I finally showered and finally got my hands on some deep dish pizza. And that was basically it. That wraps up Chicago. My flight the next day was at eight o'clock in the morning, which makes for an early rise, but that's okay. I mean, I couldn't sleep well anyways. Too many people in this hotel room. <laughs> you can always sleep in the plane or when you get home. It says you, but then you also know we have kids. So rate your marathon experience. You've done three Chicago's. So we're not rating Chicago as opposed to other marathons, but one, two, three, which has been your favorite Chicago marathon? All of them, but in a different way. I okay. mean, the first one was amazing because you were there in the area, at least, with the kids. And my brother came out. And so then last year was pretty amazing as well, just because it was so different. And then this year was different, too. And, you know, I kind of go into these experiences as trying to make a new one rather than trying to top the last one. And I suggest anyone do that because you're not going to run the same time or have the same experience. And the only way to enjoy it is just to go and completely open-minded and be open to a new experience. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I was trying to get an answer out of you, but that's a good way to sit, think about it. Yeah, so guess what? Chicago opens on, I think it's October 16th or 17th for a registration. I will be back. I have a hotel room booked. I try to book a flight. It's too early to do that, but I'm definitely coming back. That's interesting too, because I remember when we did the Chicago Marathon the first time, your attitude was definitely not the same. Like, cause you, you did like it and no, no taking away from any of that, but you weren't so excited to come back. And now that it's your third year, it's like you're super excited to go back. That's interesting. Well, there's two reasons for that. I think it's because when I did it the first time, I was trying to run so hard. I didn't even look up a single time. And it was a very painful threshold run for 26.2 miles. So that was the one reason. The other reason was that I didn't really make it into a running weekend. We were rushed. We were traveling around with fair family. We were sightseeing. And then I was just a quick run and done. And so I think that's another reason. I definitely noticed that first point that you made. I felt like just your attitude and just talking with you that this one seemed easier in that sense, whereas the first one seemed like you were having a much more difficult time, you know, trying to run a similar pace. But Yeah. So, you know, it's we learn and grow as runners and it's just amazing. And I mean, I would put Chicago at this point next to Boston and you know I love going to the Boston Marathon. It's a uh, it's it's very easy to navigate and I'm running New York in November and the idea of having to take a bus and everything to even just get to the start line, to me, I think New York for me is going to be a one and done event. I want to experience it, but I want to experience it. The course is also very hilly and not as flat. And so I think it's going to be one of those experiences to see it, but not necessarily to keep coming back every year. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I lived in New York, so I don't know. New York would be pretty cool for me just to like run through the spots because I've, and not for a, a long period of time, but I lived there for several years. So it, I, w I would know a lot of the neighborhoods and it would be interesting to me. We'll see. We'll have to ask after. Yeah. So next week. 
So next week, as we stated earlier, we're going to talk to Dr. Laura Lewis from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. We're going to ask her all these important questions, basic questions, important questions, just everything that we in the running community want to know about doping and how it's regulated nowadays, because I think it is a interesting and very current topic. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we've heard some talk back and forth about, you know, the, the record marathon times and are they legitimate or not? Um, there's so many confounding factors right now, it seems, because you have all these new technology with shoes and other stuff too. And then you've always got that question in the back of someone's head when a record gets broken as to, whether or not they're doing performance enhancing drugs or other things. So we thought it would be such a cool idea is why not go to the source and see kind of what they're looking for or kind of get the insight on people that are actually searching for and trying to legitimize these times. Yeah, absolutely. So stay tuned for that. And if you're still here, thank you for listening. I hope we made Chicago appealing to you because it appeals to us a lot. I had a lot of fun at this race. And the Olympics is coming up and get involved. You know, if you get, get some of these names in your head and you get like, you get people that you want to root for, it'd be kind of fun and exciting. You could even come down to Orlando and watch them race and get excited for the people that might end up representing the U.S. in the Olympics. Yes, exactly. And follow us. On Instagram, we are at Running Podcast. We have a lot of photos from Chicago and other fun things, and we love to engage with you. And with that, have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week. Next week.